What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Athlete Angle. I caught up with my friend and athlete transition coach, Taj Deshaun. If you're looking for some tangible advice on how to transition well post-sport, save this episode. Taj walks us through his mindset going into college football at Stony Brook, how he managed his unmet goals or didn't. We also dug deep into who he was when he retired and the action he took to start building a life outside of football. Probably one of my favorite parts of this episode is our conversation around cultivating clarity and chipping away at the uncertainty of life. I think an interesting part of this conversation was changing our mindset around this season of transition and looking at it through a discovery lens rather than a pessimistic lens. Listen to the end. Taj surprises me with some questions about my story and my challenges post-soccer. What's up, guys? Welcome to The Athlete Angle. I'm your host, MC Bell. Do you feel like you're walking aimlessly through life after sports? Do you feel lost without your sport and unsure of how to find confidence in your purpose? It's like the second you hung up your cleats or walked off that field, you've been drifting ever since. Well, I'm here to tell you that you are not alone, my friend. You are one of thousands of student and professional athletes that struggle with transitioning into life after sports. Join me this week as we work to unravel the confusing journey of life post sports, gain clarity in your purpose, and find confidence in your identity so you can flourish in life after sports. Let's dive in. Congratulations on launching the podcast, by the way. Thank you. It's weird. (laughs) It feels (laughs) really unreal. Why do you say it feels weird? Any particular reason? I think it's just, it was something that I had in my mind and in my heart for so long. And then to like physically create something that, you know, you kind of, you're putting it out there for the world. And like in my life, I am also like a content producer in sports. Like I understand putting something out there for people to see that you've created that process. But I think because it hits so hard or so uh, close to home, it's almost, it's weird to see it in person, like my logo and like podcast (laughs) cover. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's mine. It's just, I don't know. (laughs) How exciting. I'm happy for you. That's, that's great. I'm glad you did it and took the leap, you know? Yeah, no, I thank you. I, I needed to happen. I don't think I would be able to, it was like one of those things where you think about something and you're like, this is more than just a thought or a dream. This is like something that I'm going to regret if I don't at least try, mm-hmm. um, regardless of the outcome. And even if it just helps one person, if no one ever listens to this episode, except for one person, that's the goal, you know? Yeah. Knowing you a lot more than one person is going to show up. You're going to have, a, I think it's going to, especially since you already have a long-term plan, I feel like most people just start it and start putting stuff out there versus you're like, no, I want to be like, you know, eight, 10 months ahead. And so you have the longevity already in your mind that this is what I'm going to do, which is, I feel like what a lot of people are lacking from the get go. So I'll be a supporter. I'm subscribing as soon as it drops. Thank you. I'm digging the mic, by the way. What Thank you. Got you. Going here? Yeah. Just someone told me I needed to step my game up, you know, <laughs> and uh, I was like, yeah, you're right. I was just using the AirPods for so long. Oh and yeah. Someone was like, Hey, you should get a mic. I'm like, yeah, I have no reason not to. So mm-hmm. here I am. <laughs> no, I like yours too. It kind of looks like an animal. <laughs> they call it a dead cat. I don't know. Why. 
<laughs> literally you can google it dead cat oh mike <laughs> put mike at the end because you actually get a dead cat we don't want that <laughs> right that's funny it looks cool though i like it thank you so let's let's dive in let's start with i want to know how you got into football what made you love it what was your what made you passionate about playing it for so long let's start there yeah well i was always a very energetic uh high-strung kid and so i played every sport. I think the only sport I didn't play was baseball. Um, and probably only because I started playing football first. So it was basketball, then soccer. And then um, I didn't even think about football until remember the Titans came out. And when that movie was released, I was 10 years old. We went to see it and I just thought it was so cool. And I couldn't believe that you could hit people um, and not get in trouble for it. And that really appealed to me. You know, like I said, being a hyper kid, like what? I can crash into other other kids Let's and go. no one's going to be mad at me. Like, OK, cool. And fell in love with it instantly. Um, and that was the only sport I played. Like they tried to get me to run track in high school and I went to one practice and they had us run a couple miles to warm up. And I was like, yeah, I don't think this is for me. This is my, you know, party time. This is my downtime in the off season. So, yeah, that's how football became the sport for me. So what made you stick with it? It's more than just a hobby. It's more than just something to pass the time and that you enjoy doing, but what made you want to play at such a high level? Well, it was a combination of things and I'm sure this is going to tie into a lot of what we're going to talk about today, but like I was good at it and I was getting praise for it from, you know, friends and family members. So that automatically activates that oh, I should do more of this because I'm going to get attention and love and admiration for it. So that definitely laid the foundation. And then I had a cousin who he's about five years older than me. Um, and he went to play at Cal. He got a scholarship to play safety at Cal. And I was like, whoa, I didn't even know, you know, that you could get your education paid for. And I was just a kid when I saw him do that. I was like, that's really cool. So that became my aspiration to get a scholarship. Like, you know, by the time I was getting ready to head out of high school. Where did you go to college? I went to Stony Brook. And that's probably another conversation we'll get into because that was not my dream school. I always say it's D1, but it's like when I thought D1, I thought of schools that people, especially in California, have heard of. So, <laughs> but yeah, I played football at Stony Brook. It was a great experience. Though. I wouldn't change it for the world. Okay. So let's dive into, we'll just take the cat out of the bag, putting your identity in your sport. When did you realize, or when did you feel like, if I don't play the sport and if I don't continue to do this, what am I going to do with my life? Mm, that's a great question. I don't think going through it, like in the moment, I realized how much my identity was wrapped up in it, which as you know, many of us have that experience. So um, I think probably around sophomore year, no, let's say junior year, I didn't really get my first offer until the end of my junior year. So I was starting to get a little anxious during that junior season, like, oh, my God, what if I don't get a scholarship? And that had never occurred to me before because, you know, I was I was pretty good. And once like I got it like towards the end, I think maybe during the last game or after the last game of my junior year. So that was very relieving to know that even though the schools that were reaching out weren't necessarily my dream schools, that at least I was going to go somewhere, you know. What was your dream school? Well, being a California kid, I wanted to play in the Pac-12. So, and it's crazy because I was getting interest from those schools. Nobody pulled the trigger, but I always dreamed of going to like Arizona State, um, even actually U of A. I took a visit out to Tucson and, and really loved that campus. Um, 
anything in the Pac-12 was was what I was after. And I was getting offers from schools like um, Idaho, you know, Air Force, Minnesota, places that were cold, you know, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to hang on until something better comes along. But um, yeah, so I, no one from the Pac-12 actually offered me. So, I mean, that ties into identity and a lot of things that I was dealing with at the time too, feeling like I didn't achieve at the level that I wanted to, which is a weird feeling as a young adult coming out of high school. Like, man, I already am going into my college career feeling like I fell short. You know what I mean? Mm. So what did that do for your performance when you got to college? Well, at first I had this sort of mentality that I wasn't supposed to be there. Like I was supposed to go to a bigger school. You know, when I went to Stony Brook, it was because I didn't want to go to Air Force and be in the military. I just know I'm not cut out for that type of environment, um, kind of a rebel. And then I didn't want to go anywhere that was super cold. Not that New York isn't cold because Stony Brook's in New York, but a little warmer than Minnesota, right? And I felt like I could go there and be a big fish in a small pond because it was an FCS school. So that, and they have a great, it's basically like an Ivy League school. It's State University of New York. So great education. And when I got there, um, I think that mentality probably rubbed the coaches a little bit wrong. And I was almost like shocked that I wasn't starting right away. You know what I mean? So the mentality definitely hindered me going into it because it was definitely a dose of reality when I got out there. Like, mm -hmm. oh man, I'm not. I'm not the best player here. And I thought I was going to be like a superstar from the time I walked on campus. Mm. So it, it definitely hurt me. And my identity was suffering too with all of that. You know, I'm not supposed to be here. And now I'm here at a lower level than I wanted to play. And I'm not even starting. So my head was really messed up at the time. But it's all ego and being young and not knowing what you don't know, you know? Yeah. So was that your mentality throughout your uh, entire career there? Or did that change and evolve? Um, so without making this a super long story, Stony Brook is on Long Island and there's another program out there called Hofstra, which is like, you know, they were, they don't have a football program anymore, but long story short, after my freshman year, Hofstra canceled their football program. So all of the, you know, superstars at Hofstra came to Stony Brook and then Stony Brook kind of became a hub for players. This is before the transfer portal and all that. So players who were at like Rutgers or Maryland East coast schools would like go to Stony Brook so they could play and get you know playing time so I never really had a great career I never um had the opportunity to be the standout player that I wanted to be because there were always people ahead of me and that just further drove me down this I mean by the time I graduated I came to peace with like I, I really did put my best foot forward and give it my all so that gave me a sense of peace but at the same time it was also embarrassing to have you know family members fly out from California six-hour flight to New York to see me on the sidelines for most of the game. You know what I mean? Yes. So it was a shot to the pride and to the ego for sure. How did you manage your mindset or maybe like those achievements that you thought you were going to have playing at Stony Brook, but never actually saw come to fruition? I did it. <laughs> That's the best way I can answer your question. Like there was no managing. I think, um, I had a conversation with the guy. He wasn't even a coach. He was the uh, like director of operations for the team. And he, I mean, he used to play at Stony Brook. So we had a deep conversation one day and he was like, look, at the end of the day, if you can lay your pillow, your head on the pillow every night and feel like you gave it your all out there, um, certain things are just out of your control 
you know, and as a young man, I really needed to hear that at the time. And that's why I say after graduation, I was like, I really do feel like I did all that I could, which gave me a sense of peace. You know what I mean? So that's how I, that's how I dealt with it in hindsight. But in the moment, I was just I was very depressed when I look back on it. Like I was really going through it and trying to mask it with like drinking and partying and stuff all the time. So let's fast forward a little bit. You are done playing you are graduated what were the initial challenges that you feel like you were um, up against when you graduated man should i start in alphabetical order or like what <laughs> I, whatever, whatever <laughs> no, makes just, you happy i'm just playing um it there was a lot of things so the thing about it is and I know so many athletes feel like because the world gets handed to us on a silver platter growing up because we're good at our sport. Literally everything's taken care of. So I assumed that that's what life was going to be like when I came back home. So left New York, get on the flight back to California. I'm, I'm back home, you know, living with my parents. Very grateful that they even let me come back home. I know some people don't have that luxury. Right. But I get home and I'm like, all right, so. I guess someone's going to come knock on my door and give me like a six figure job. Right. I mean, I did play football. Like I have all these skills and I'm like, Oh, I have to actually go figure it out. But what do I want to do? I have no idea. Um, how do I even get a job? How do I put a resume together? So there was this feeling of like, damn, well, I fell short in my football career. Now my dreams of, you know, going to the NFL and being able to, you know, buy my family, all these things. Now I'm back home as an unemployed college grad with no job prospects, no income. Um, my identity and my ego is shot because I feel like I was a failed football player, don't even have like a cool highlight tape. And now I don't even know what I'm going to do to make an income and get out of my parents' house. So it was this spiral of just like looking at every area of my life and just feeling like a complete failure. And it drove me into this like space of isolation. And like I told you, I was masking it with drinking when I was in college that continued after college, like a lot of drinking, a lot of partying. Um, I had a lot of teammates who were back home, you know, at the same time too, coming back from college. So, I mean, teammates from high school who went to different schools and we were all back home in our hometown. So we would all get together like Thursday through Sunday and have like an extended college because we were all depressed. Neither one of us or none of us had jobs and we were all just drinking to like cover up what we were going through. So it was a very, very dark time to say the least. Essentially, you would say you hit rock bottom. For sure. Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. One phrase, yeah. rock bottom. <laughs> yeah, one phrase. Yep. Yeah, I could have answered it like that. So what was it like when you, after college? Rock bottom. And it, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much it, MC. You said you're masking your depression with your with drinking and partying, and you don't really know how to take that next next step. What was that light at the end of the tunnel for you? What, what, what changed that you almost redirected yourself and started changing your behavior? It was a slow buildup. It was like a slow progression because I knew for sure what wasn't working. I didn't know what to do to like make things work, but I knew, okay, you know, drinking four days a week and sometimes more than that, you know, sleeping in, waking up hungover at noon and just kind of like playing video games or watching Netflix but yeah, I knew that that wasn't working. You know what I mean? It was like, what am I doing with myself? Uh, I was gaining weight. Like, 
Um, I mean, that's a, we could do a whole podcast episode on that. I've worked oh, with so yeah. many, especially female athletes who gain weight and I like kind of coach them through that or connect them with people. But long story short, I didn't like who I saw in the mirror, not just physically, but like the way I was behaving on a day-to-day basis. And so I'm like, okay, let me take that athletic mindset, that competitor that, you know, lived in me for so many years on the football field. Let me take that and start competing like with, you know, myself to be better. So started working out again, stopped drinking. Um, instead of playing video games all day, I'm like, I don't know what I want to do, but let me just kind of see like what's on indeed. Let me look for jobs. I don't recommend that by the way. That's, that's not a great way to, that's not a great job strategy, but it's better than nothing. Right. Right. Um, started getting really heavily into personal development, reading a lot of books, listening to podcasts, and I was helping myself find clarity. I was having conversations with other people, LinkedIn, this was 2013, yeah, 2013. So LinkedIn was really starting to like blossom or was like, you know, up and coming. So I would get on there and just like reach out to people like, oh, this person does that. That's cool. Let me just tell them I'm a former football player and I'm trying to find my way right now. Would you be open to having a conversation? So I started trying to, I always say that clarity, like finding clarity takes work. Like clarity has to be cultivated. And I didn't know it at the time, but I was cultivating clarity because I was trying to do little things to like help myself get into a position where I could find something I could succeed in, you know? Right. That's so good. Clarity, cultivate clarity. Now that you've learned that, is that something that you still, you know, pay attention into in like in your life right now? 100%. Like I'm at a point right now where I'm going through another transition you know, like, and I'm cultivating clarity in my own life. So at the at the same time that I'm teaching others through my coaching and through everything else that I do, that you have to cultivate clarity and showing them how to do that. I'm also doing it for myself because I realized that, you know, transitioning out of college into like the real world to like getting a job, transitioning from a job to like being an entrepreneur. Now I'm at a position where I'm trying to transition to figure out how can I be more effective? You know, how can I expand what I'm doing and team up with others like yourself and other great people who want to serve, you know, the former athlete community. So um, it's, it's a continual process and life has many transitions, you know, it's not like, Oh, I transitioned out of, you know, college or my professional sport to the real world. And now I'm done. Like, you know, we're, there's so many transitions throughout life. And I think knowing that helps you be prepared that they're coming and understanding that the more you, spend time cultivating that clarity, you'll be able to navigate those transitions with ease. So although I'm not 100% clear on what my next move is, I'm confident in my ability to figure it out because I'm going to put work in to figure it out. So yeah. What happened to your uncertainty as you learned how to cultivate clarity? Great question. You can tell that you do this for a living, you know, like, <laughs> okay, well, that's good. <laughs> that's why before we recorded, I'm like, yeah, you're, you're good. Whatever you want to ask me, let's just roll. I know you're a professional. So, well, the uncertainty, it's almost like a game. That's such a good question. I never thought about it like that before, but it becomes a game, right? Because it, it's like, you're chipping away at the uncertainty. It's like, no matter where you're at in life, no matter what stage of transition you're in, there's this wall of uncertainty in front of you. And you're just like, well, let me get my little chisel and hammer. And just like, that's really what you're doing when you're cultivating clarity. So you're chipping away at the uncertainty and becoming more and more confident and it becomes exciting. 
at a certain point. That's why I tell people going through the transition, don't look at it as, oh, I'm lost and I don't know what to do because that's what I was doing. Like, this sucks. I'm so lost. I don't know what to do with my life. I don't know my purpose. Instead of thinking about it as, oh, I get to create. You know what I mean? Like, this is exciting. Like, you're in the discovery stage. I have to remind myself of that sometimes, too, when I get lost in my business. Like, no, 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 this is exciting. I get to create whatever I want, and I should be excited about that. So hopefully that answers your question, because it was a great question. You just gave me goosebumps. I oh, come on now. Oh, you're just yeah, trying to make did. me blush. No, it's working. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I totally can relate. Like it's a, I think when we think of starting over and initially I don't think it's, I mean, it's a new season of your life, but I almost don't know if it would be starting over because you're carrying over those uh, skills and those attributes from previous seasons of your life and you're building off of those. So talk more about that mindset of, starting over, like starting in a new season, like what is important to be able to do that successfully? Mm, there's a book, I'm sure everybody's heard of it by now, but it's called Start With Why by Simon Sinek. And that book was huge for me because in anything that I do, like during that time and now and for the foreseeable future, anything that I do is based in why am I doing this? Because so many of us get into doing, whether it's jobs or just, I mean, anything or starting businesses, because, oh, I want to make some money or, you know, I'm doing this because my family wants me to do this. That's why I was bringing that up is because you want to go into it with, okay, why do I want to do this? And really looking, I mean, there's no right or wrong. It's just as long as you know, and you're comfortable or confident with why you're doing it, then proceed, you know, and then the mindset should be um, thinking long term, right? Even if it's not, if you're looking to do something and it's just temporary, then know that you're doing it temporarily or as a stepping stone to get to X, Y, Z. Like, I feel like when you're going into the stage, after you figure out your why, then you should try to project as far out into the future as possible. Like, I already know what I want my life. Like, I just turned 31 earlier this year. I know what I want my life to look like when I'm 40, when I'm 50, when I'm 60. Is it going to be perfect? Of course not, because the world is changing. I'm going to change. I'm going to want different things. But at a base level, I know exactly what I want my life to look like, what I want people to say about me. So the farther out you can project into the future after you figure out why you want to do something, the better off you're going to be because that answers the how, right? And then the who, like, who do you need to be with? Who do you need to be around? Who do you need to help you? Who do you need help from? All that type of stuff is what helps you get solid and clearly see your future so you can start taking steps to execute on it in the present moment. Would you say having a why in your life and answering those questions is a part of building a vision for your life? 100%. It's the most important part. You know what I mean? Because, and I'm just using this as an example, like people will come to me and be like, you know, Taj, I want to be this is probably not surprising to you, MC, right? But former athletes will come to me because they heard my podcast or someone referred them or whatever. And then they'll be like, we'll get on a coaching call. And they're like, yeah, I want to be a coach in whatever sport I played, or I want to work in an athletic department, you know? And so that's great, but I always have to dig beneath the surface to be like, why? And half the people, probably less than half, <laughs> when you ask that question, some people are meant to be great coaches. Some people are meant to work in athletic departments. And I definitely encourage them to do that and help them take steps to get there. 
there's a vast majority though, who, when they come in the door saying they want to do that, the why is because they don't know anything else outside of their sport. It's a comfortable environment. They feel like they're not good enough to do anything else. or they're scared to go into another arena that has nothing to do with their sport and not be good at it and look dumb while they're trying to figure it out and build their way up. So just to answer your question, the why is literally, that's why the book is called start with why. I mean, like, that's it's it's in the it's a necessity otherwise you're going to end up in a really bad place you know what i mean or you could end up in a bad you'll end up somewhere versus choosing to be somewhere if you're not starting with why big difference there and it takes a level of intentionality out of it if you don't tell yourself what you're going to do with your life someone else is going to do it for you and it's going to mm. be to their benefit too right yes 100 percent. preach <laughs> preach it. Yeah, preach it. <laughs> um, I was supposed to be interviewing you. Um, hey, well, you just dropped the gym, so <laughs> that was great. Is this a book that you read when you were first learning how to transition well and when you first started gaining clarity in what your purpose was? Yeah, I forget how I so I saw ironically, I was on LinkedIn. And the author, Simon Sinek, posted a video and I thought it was really cool. And he had this circle, you know, and he was talking about how you he, like everything we're talking about right now is what he was talking about. He drew a circle and it was like, why? And then the next circle out that was um, how and then it was what I, I might have got that mixed up. But I thought it was really an interesting concept. And then I read the whole book and then it goes into stuff. Even like you were just saying, it goes into like. Okay, are you being influenced? There's nothing wrong with working for someone else. That's not what I'm saying. But it's like, mm -hmm. are you being influenced to do this by other people? Or, you know, is that the why? Are you like trying to people please right now or trying to do what other people want you to do? Or are you doing this because that's what you want to do? And so I thought the, it was definitely super helpful for me reading that book because it put things in the context. Like, I don't know where I would be right now if I didn't read that book at a young age. You know, full transparency, I, I read that book actually when I was already in the workforce because I didn't have clarity. I was like, I need some money. So I started getting like random jobs and sales and stuff like that. And it all built my skill set. But when I read that book shortly after I started working with athletes because I'm like, why, do, why am I doing what I'm doing? Oh, it's just for money. Well, what do I really want to do? And why do I want to do it? Because I want to help former athlete, athletes like me. Okay, how am I going to do it? What do I want to do? What's true to me? So that book is key. I, I could recommend a thousand books, but that one is definitely a heavy hitter for anybody, no matter where you're at in life. I need to read that. That sounds good. It's it's a classic. Your purpose. Let's get into that. It'll, be, it'll tie into more of what you're doing right now. How did you know you wanted to work with former athletes? Because you were just saying, you know, some former athletes, they want to be in their sport or they want to be in the sports world because that's all they know. And then some are truly born to be in that arena. How did you find yourself in the place that you are helping former athletes? It was, it was a progression and it was a lot of trial and error. And I always say that trial and error is great, but clarity is even better. It's way better. And that's part of the heart behind what I do. Cause you know, we're all intel, especially athletes, we're go-getters. You can learn through trial and error, but why, you could waste a lot of time and energy and emotion doing that versus like you could have saved yourself a lot of time if you were just clear from the get go. So for me, when I was going through my trial and error stage, I started out in sales because once again, I was just trying to get some money. 
And although I was making money and I was able to move out of my parents' house and feel like a man and feel like I was adulting because, you know, I had my own apartment and all that type of stuff. I realized that I was unfulfilled because I wasn't clear on my why. Now, let me correct that. The why was money, but that's not enough. That's enough to get you in the door. But at a certain point, if you're only doing something for money, you're going to hit a wall. Mm-hmm. And then I started realizing, okay, I was like, I have to get out of sales and everything in life is sales, but that's a separate conversation. So <laughs> we have a lot but, of separate conversations. <laughs> I know that's what, yeah, we'll have to do a part two or I'll have you on my podcast and we could just whatever. Um, sorry, I'm long winded this morning, but no, you're good. Keep going. So sales, I started in sales and I realized that I wanted to something I've always been passionate about is helping people. I've always been like mature for my age and I've always been like the older brother figure, not only to people younger than me, but even people like the same age as me and sometimes even older. And so I'm like, okay, sales is great, but I want to feel like I'm actually making a difference. And I made a pivot into recruiting. Because I was like, oh, I can still be competitive with myself, meaning like put up placement numbers, still make great money through commission. But rather than giving someone a product, um, and I was selling like copy machines at the time. So super boring. I had no interest in it at all. So instead of selling someone a copier machine to their business or IT services, instead, I'm getting paid and making commission to help someone get a job and put food on the table for their family. Right. And so in that recruiting job, I started getting promoted, promoted, getting recruited to like other companies because I was putting up great numbers. And I'm like, all right, anything I do in life, if I'm helping people, I'm going to be fulfilled and I'm going to make great money because, you know, that's what drives me. And at a certain point, I got tired of the corporate lifestyle because, like I said, I was a rebellious kid and I'm a rebellious adult. I do not like having to be sitting in you know an office or a cubicle for like eight hours a day staring at the clock waiting for it to be five o'clock I don't like having to you know be told when I can go to lunch like I like to snack all day long and eat all day long I don't like feeling rushed like oh it's 12 o'clock I gotta rush to go get food and try to get back before one so I'm not late Mm -hmm. none of that sat well with me and then there were certain things about the companies I was working at where I saw like I could be more efficient with this, but I'm boxed into, you know, procedures and this corporate structure. I could be having a bigger impact. So I realized that I had to get out of the corporate environment. And then luckily I read that book and then I started thinking about why and also like who, okay, I know I want to help people, but who do I want to help? And then I was like, man, there are a lot of people who were just like me a few years ago, really struggling to figure out who they are outside of their sport. And that's what led me into like doing research on, and this was 2017 when I started, you know, I had been in the workforce a few years. So I started researching what was available to former athletes, um, especially at the collegiate level. And although it's gotten a lot better now, back then there was virtually nothing going on and there were some great people, but I didn't see anybody who was doing coaching. And I was like, that's what I needed. I needed someone who had been through it, who was a former athlete, who understood exactly what I was going through, who could help me find clarity and get to the other side. So I decided to start doing that for other people. And I mean, that's how it came about, you know? And what is it like now being able to help so many former athletes and seeing like the trajectory of their lives so that you've done it a few years, you can kind of have, you know, you have time to like watch them, you know, walk through life a little bit. It's super fulfilling because like the gist of what I do, I always tell people, I do not have a crystal ball, right? I'm not going to be able to sit down with someone and be like, 
you're supposed to do this. Now go, go be great, right? <laughs> it takes time. It takes work on my part. And of course, work on their part to cultivate the clarity, like we said. But it's great to see, like you said, people I might've worked with in 2018, um, what they're doing now, like even if, let's say some people are doing exactly what we figured out they wanted to do during the coaching program. Others aren't, once again, because life has many transitions. But what's cool about it is, someone who I may have worked with four years ago, reaching out to me and being like, Hey, Taj, I'm grateful that we work together because even though I'm not doing this anymore, like I thought I wanted to do, I hit a wall, but I navigated this transition better. And now I'm doing this and now I really, I really love it. So that's oh. ultimately what I'm doing. You know, I'm not like a, a career coach or like helping people get placed in jobs. It's like teaching you how to navigate life's transitions and doing it confidently. So you can put yourself in the best position to win a position that's true to you, whether that's a job or a business or whatever, you know? So it's been cool, but go ahead. I don't want to, you probably have a fire question lined up, so I don't want to keep rambling. No, on. you're good. <laughs> I was just going to ask, that was the vision that you started with. What's the vision that you have for yourself now that you're, you're, I mean, essentially you are in the middle of another transition. So what does life look like now for you? Yes. It's see, I'm glad I stopped because that's exactly what I was going to go into, but then I wouldn't have given you the chance to ask the fire question for the it's setup. It's all right? good. It's all good. We're on the same timeline here. We're good. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. We're on the same wavelength right now. So when I first started doing it, my vision was crystal clear. I just want to be a coach. I want to be able to work with any athlete around the world and meet with them on zoom or on the phone and coach them through my eight week program through the curriculum that I delivered. And that has evolved into many different things. Like I used to say, I don't want to do group coaching because it's not as intimate and people, especially prideful athletes may not be willing to open up as much if there's more people around. But then I had opportunities to do group coaching and I'm like, oh, this actually, it is impactful. And they can always do one-on-one -on -one coaching with me if they need to, in addition to the group. So I started doing that, um, started, you know, the podcast was never on my mind. And then I just started a podcast, started writing books, started helping other athletes write and publish their books, you know, started actually going to speak at places. Um, and so it's evolved over the years. And I love the fact that things always continue to open up. And it's cool because you can predict the future or figure out where you want to go, but you have to be open to different pivots and things along the way. That's what makes it exciting. But what I'm getting at is the transition that I'm in right now, I'm realizing that I can only do so much, you know, I can only help so many athletes if it's just me. And so what I'm trying to figure out, all these great people, yourself, countless other people that you and I are both connected with. When I think about all these great people around us who are all kind of individuals doing their own thing to serve the former athlete community, I'm trying to figure out how we can come together. Mm -hmm. I've brought people together on books to collaborate on books, which is awesome. You know, like, basically like chicken soup for the soul, where it's a bunch of former athletes telling their story. Yeah. That's cool. But how can we merge our businesses together so that we can have a presence at every school or every professional team and people are actually getting support. So I've been really sitting with myself and cultivating clarity in that regard. It doesn't have to be me out in front, but how can I figure out how we can all come together and, you know, basically like a justice league of people like you <laughs> Uh, okay i'm down <laughs> yeah that's what i'm saying like that's what we need it, it doesn't make this is the last thing i'll say 
it doesn't make sense for all of us who come from team environments. I mean, some of us played individual sports, but that's not my point. We all come from a team environment to, okay, now all of us are entrepreneurs or have businesses that serve the former athlete community, but we're existing in our own silos. And it, it doesn't make sense for more people. You're starting to see it in small ways, but there needs to be like a, a more collaborative effort for people mm -hmm. to team up, you know? I agree. Um, so that's where I'm at. That's what I'm working on right now. Ooh, I like it. I like where your head's at. It also, I mean, cause I do a lot of research to bring people onto this podcast and whatnot. And that's always something that I look for in like, what else are they doing in their life that, you know, pertains to the former athlete community. But like you're saying, there are lots of people that are in our circle air quotes, but not working together. Um, and mm -hmm. there's no like greater entity, which would be helpful, you know, 100% it's needed. There's an organization called um, Athlete Soul, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Yes. Awesome. Miriam Glass. Miriam Glass, the founder, former Olympian. She's awesome. She mm -hmm. is slowly but surely starting to do that. I'm a coach. I have my own thing, but I'm also coaching for her. I got the Athlete Soul coffee mug right Ooh, here. Represent. <laughs> represent. I also coach for Miriam's organization, right? And she's merging with Danielle Berman from Tackle What's Next. Like that mm -hmm. stuff needs to happen more more of those mergers and collaborations like i'm always going to be the person who comes in and does the coaching if you have an organization that needs coaching bring me in you know if you need help building out the curriculum bring me in if you need help actually delivering the coaching group or one-on-one -on -one, bring me in but there's so many other services that are needed and relationships that need to be forged that it's i can go to a university and try to pitch my services and get them to sponsor my work but it's different when i have you know, 10 other business owners or organizations and we're coming in there as a collective. You know what I mean? Especially we're starting to get into like sponsorships. Miriam and I are not just Miriam and I, but Athletes Soul is looking for corporate sponsorships. Apps like Headspace, you know, apps that support athlete mental health, they need to be in the conversation. We need to be collaborating, grouping up and going after these corporate sponsorships together to support more work and make sure everybody who does this work is able to put food on their table. Because the more people are making a living from doing this type of work, the more athletes are going to be served. So anyway, I can go on and on about that. Oh, I love that. As you that. can tell, I'm excited about this new chapter. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> um, that's amazing. Uh, can I ask you a question? Yeah. I think this would be cool. So why did you decide to start this podcast? Well, very, I mean, very similar to you. I worked with uh, Katie Spada. Um, she runs Feeling Former Athletes Instagram, um, and she has her own coaching business as well. And I, it's funny, I never, I never thought of myself as struggling through soccer, um, or especially at the collegiate level, but then um, even glad when it ended, where I, you know, I was just getting to a point of like, I'm burned out from doing this, and my body needs a break, and I'm happy to be done playing. But then I think a lot of athletes maybe reach a point where they're like, Oh my gosh, I want to go back. I want to do something that I know I'm good at. Like everything that I do is, you know, mediocre and no one told me how to start over. No one, like I didn't have any direction or guidance in that sense where like you were saying, like everything was planned out for me. Like what I ate, the lifting I did, the games, my classes, like all that stuff was, I mean, essentially like, you know, hand fed to me. And then 
transitioning out of that, especially from a um, like a body image standpoint and and like diet standpoint, that's where I immediately saw uh, like change. And it scared me because I didn't know what to do. And I didn't know who to turn to. I didn't have a teacher to ask or a, you know, a dietitian to go to, like, we didn't have access to that stuff. Like no one told me, Hey, you're, this is what's going to happen. And it's not that you won't have challenges transitioning. It's just, this is how you do it. And there wasn't anybody to tell me, Hey, this is happening, but this is the best way to go about it. So I think me working with Katie gave me I mean, like I had the most transformative, like five months of my life. It was also during COVID. So that probably intensified it, but it changed my life so much to the point where it was more about like other people need this kind of help. And I've seen it in like past teammates. I've seen it in teammates that I go watch now. I've had former um, athletes and former collegiate athletes come up to me and start talking to me about their sport and all the same stuff, like the glory days are behind me and like, what's next for me? I don't know, like all these things. And I think my, I like my transition from putting my identity in a sport to my faith is what essentially like gave me, you know, the, the freedom and that peace to, you know, look outside my own circumstances and be like, this is something that I did. And these were things that I was attached to, but I'm no longer am attached to those things. And now that I'm not, and I figured out how to do it, I want to help someone else walk through that. And I want to, you know, I mean, I guess essentially like as a coach, you want to alleviate their pain in some circumstances and you want to, you know, show them the best way to go through and, and better their life. Like you just want to serve other people in that way. So I think, um, yeah, I just couldn't see myself not helping people in that way, especially with such a, you know, a huge transition in my life. It, it it felt wrong to not talk about it. Wow. Now that is a powerful why. That's why I, <laughs> like, and, and you made me think of something. I know we're coming up at the top of the hour. You you're probably good. have to bounce. I want to share this really quickly though. Um, I love that you're so open about talking about your like, not just, I mean, you shared a lot of different challenges that you face, but specifically what you said about working with Katie and shout out to Katie. She's awesome. I've, I've done a legend. lot of work with her over the years. She's a legend for sure. But I want to have you on my podcast too, because I told you I've worked with a lot of athletes over the years. And even though I may have them on my podcast, even they don't necessarily share that part. Maybe they're embarrassed or not comfortable, even though we do it through our coaching or I like connecting with Katie. I'd love for you to come on and talk about many things and also, you know, share your new podcast, but also just share that journey of what the, the challenge was like gaining weight and all that type of stuff. And, you know, your self image suffering. Um, Cause I think especially my, you know, female listeners will get a lot out of that. Um, yeah. So thank you for letting me ask you a Absolutely. question. Absolutely. I would love to. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it is crazy. Like, especially from a female perspective, cause I don't think you just get the, you know, there is that you notice the changes in your body, but society also is the one telling you that's not okay. Like you need to look a certain way. You have to look, you know, skinnier or you have to look sexier or you have to look this way. And it, it jades your, your beauty. Like everything about you is like wonderfully and perfectly made for a reason. And there's no one else on the entire planet that looks like you or ever will look like you. In, in the way that you've been, you know, woven together. So that, 
that being a core value of mine now and the way that I view myself, my confidence has been like, I mean, through the roof. I probably wouldn't have been able to do this otherwise. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. Especially for women, like you said, because through the transition specifically, guys, I mean, you know, you may be struggling with guys don't really care about their appearance as much. Not that they don't, but to the level, like you said, with societal pressure and stuff as a woman, it compounds. Like if you're going through a transition, you don't know who you are, you miss your sport, you don't know where you're going, you know, maybe you're unemployed, you're just struggling in all areas and you look in the mirror and you're like, oh my God, I'm huge or whatever, you know, like all that type of stuff that just, it's just an, an added element that really only women have to deal with, at least at that level. So that's why I think that's, I appreciate you being willing to share that, you know? Of course, honestly, absolutely. If it was, that was the entire podcast, I would be totally down. <laughs> I don't right. care what we talk about. We could, we could just talk about that. Um, but no, yeah. Thank you for asking me. I appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. Um, this is a preview. So go check out MC on my podcast. It'll probably, <laughs> hopefully it's out by the time this comes out. <laughs> well, awesome. Is there, I mean, anything else on your mind you wanted to mention or anything like that? I would just say, uh, for anybody listening, if you want to find out more about what I'm doing, I do have scholarships for my coaching available, by the way, through Athlete Soul. So I don't want people to feel like, oh, if I reach out to Taj and I need some coaching, then I got to get my credit card ready. Uh, not necessarily. Sorry, we do have a bunch of resources available. So I'm not hard to find. You can just visit tajdeshawn.com, exactly how it's spelled on the screen or in this episode. All the links to my podcast, you know, YouTube channel, website, coaching. Um, I'm most active on LinkedIn and Instagram. And I'm Taj Deshaun on there as well. Subscribe to the Thrive After Sports podcast, please, because then you'll be able to see when MC's episode drops. Do it. And uh, <laughs> definitely grab some books too. I got a bunch of, I'm a four-time author now. Hopefully they'll be out before the end of the year, but I have two books available on Amazon right now. Thrive After Sports, my first book, and then Athlete to Entrepreneur, which is that collaborative project that I missed, that I mentioned earlier. So that's all I got. MC, thank you for having me. This was uh, an honor and a privilege, and I really enjoyed this conversation. Awesome. Thank you for coming on. You have totally blown everything out of the water. Exceeded <laughs> my expectations. <laughs> oh, that means a lot. Thank you. Aww. Hey, thanks for giving this episode a listen. If this episode resonated with you, please leave a review and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Oh, one more thing. Stay in the know on Insta. Tag a former athlete, teammate, friend, foe, family member. You get the point. I would love to connect with you. Okay, friends, that is all she wrote. I'll see you next week. <laughs>